Warning! The Bone Bad Show is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Attention, listeners. Radio Free Hipster is the internet's home for nerdcore hip-hop. Nerdcore used to be just a made-up word. MCs shied away from belief. Rest assured. Geek Rock. I got a message from the Great Lakes Avengers. They offered me a membership, but I did not accept it. They're a walking disaster. Chiptunes. VGM. Like remixes. I was a terror since the public school era. Bathroom passes, cutting classes, squeezing asses. Smoking blunts was a daily routine. A veritable celebration of nerd music and culture. Yours free, twice monthly at hipsterplease.com. Dig that shit. Nerdlinger.
what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 90 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? You know, it will be going well. It'll be going well tomorrow when I get my next new phone. Your next new... Wait, so you had the uh, deep-sea diving phone. Yeah, I had the pool toy. The butterfly and the diving cell phone, and then... <laughs> you, you had the phone no- and the diving cell. That's nice. Thank nice you. Uh, and then you replaced that with another phone that was exactly the same. And then your old phone came back to life, Lazarus right. phone. That phone became the Lazarus phone, which became the anti-Lazarus phone when it died again. <laughs> okay, but you, theoretically speaking, you should have still had new phone two. Yeah, but new phone two was actually a used phone. It wasn't brand spanking new. Oh, that's, and that's totally ungourd-like, buying like a refurb. I know, especially when it comes to electronics. What do I always say? Never do that. And once again, I agree with myself. Never do that. Because <laughs> okay. the used phone I bought is buggy. I keep having more and more weird, incomprehensible things happen to it. And the little on-off button that you use to turn on and off your screen, because it's a smartphone, that button doesn't... Uh, What's the word? Work. (laughs) So it sucks. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, man. You know, I looked at it as an opportunity because just like they say, you know, the Chinese character for disaster is also one part broken cell phone and (laughs) or something like that. Yeah, along those lines. So I went out and I'm like looking at all these new fancy dancy Uber smartphones. They'll do everything. They'll like cook bacon for you. You can play your Xbox on your phone while you're playing with your Wii. Not talking about a Nintendo, by the way. And uh, there's just a bunch of really cool phones I was looking at online. And I thought, yeah, that's what I need. I need that. I want that. Google, Nexus, Galaxy, yeah, phone. But... uh, when I went to actually look at one in person, in real life, all of the new smartphones are like the size of a dinner plate. <laughs> They're giant. They may as well just be an iPad. Yeah. And for someone, I don't know, normal size, maybe that's okay, but I'm a smallish person. I just don't have enough physiological real estate to put one of those new flipping phones. It's too big. It would be like trying to smuggle a ping pong table in a yugo it's not gonna fit yeah i don't know i mean i'm still rocking the motorola razor so i'm firmly in the 90s i guess uh, and you're better off for it <laughs> but the new but razor if i X. were i going to upgrade i wouldn't get anything other than an iphone yeah see that i'm not getting the iPhone. see having just in the ipod world having dicked around long enough with a zune and a uh Creative Zen. By the time I finally got to an iPod Touch, it was so much better that I, I don't have any illusions about how much better of a product that is than what the competition, I think. See, my wife has had a few iPhones, and apparently when you get an iPhone, at least when she gets them, you spend about 10% of your time using it and 90% of your time swearing about how it doesn't work. <laughs> so I really didn't want one of those. I know other people seem to use them. Maybe I'm just in a spot where we don't get iPhone signal or something from the iMothership. But she's always like, oh, no, I can't download email right now. No, I can't talk on it. No, I can't do this. I can't do that. Yeah, I can. I got a droid. Verizon. It does stuff. 
I like the idea of that. Have you uh, seen that, uh, what is it, Ouya, that new Kickstarter uh, video game system that is on uh, Android software? Yeah. That looks really cool. If people make games for it, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. But, uh, you know, having an open source video game system for 100 bucks seems like a pretty cool item for me. Me too. I philosophically lined up with that. Yeah. I hope it comes to something. Me too. Well, uh, yeah. why don't we talk a little bit about our musical act tonight? Sure. You know, it's been far too long since we've kicked some metal around here, and I've had, frankly, a shitty week so far, so it's time to rock things up with Sweden's Mashuga, a band who I've been a big fan of for a long time now. They have a new album out this year, the new CD, rather, I guess, because they don't make albums anymore, called Kolas, and it's just a monument to metal. We'll be listening to more as we go. Unfortunately, no interview this show, but we'll talk about the band a little bit as we uh, progress. When you ordered that album, did you say, I would like uh, Coloss to me? <laughs> no, I did not say that. Oh, you should have. You wasted a perfectly good colostomy joke opportunity. <sighs> I'm sure that pisses you off. <laughs> what doesn't piss me off? Dude, you know what pisses me off? What pisses you off? Other than your cell phone and lack of colostomy jokes. Yeah, well, I have an Apple product. I have an iPod, and I've used it. It's all right. It organizes music in ways that I don't always agree with, but I deal with it. It's okay. I tried to put podcasts onto this thing for the first time ever using the iStore. Mm -hmm. Usually I get podcasts. I just download the MP3, and just like my music, drag and drop. Drag it over to the iPod, drop it in. There it is. Play it like a song. Well, I don't know why, but I decided to use the store, and I downloaded a bunch of podcasts, and I couldn't make them play on the iPod. It would show, oh yeah, you've got them, but then I'd go to like, play them, nope, nope, you don't got them. I'd look at it on the computer, they're there, and look at it on an iPod, they're not. Sync it, sync it several times, nothing. I finally figured out how to do it. It took me like an hour of dorking around. You go to the podcast section, right? You got to go to the, a totally different screen, the podcast section, and then tell it from there to do it. I thought Apple products were supposed to be all intuitive and, and happy crappy, and we're supposed to think about them. What a pain in the balls. Why can't you just drag your stuff over, drop it in, and listen to it? Uh, well, yeah, drag and drop doesn't happen with Apple. I mean, that was why I avoided them for the longest time. But um, nowadays, it's actually smoother. On a touch, you can swipe sideways and delete the podcast when you're done and stuff like that. Which, you know, going through iTunes to remove everything else is kind of a pain in the ass. So they've gotten better over time, I think. It's worse, though, because you can drag and drop. You can drag and drop all your music, but you can't drag and drop a podcast. You can yet you cannot drag and drop your music. You have to I add do. it manually through iTunes. No, you don't. What do you do with mine? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. You I and don't the iPod have you wrote in on. I seriously don't have any patience for you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking dick. All I know is, what, are you taking a bomb hit? What did I just hear? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, <laughs> you don't know? <laughs> it's old strawberry daiquiri mix and crack and rum. <laughs> in a bomb? It's probably going to kill me. And given the way will. things have gone this week, it probably will. Wait, strawberry daiquiri mix? Yeah. And rum? Yes. 
So it's essentially a daiquiri, but it's just on the rocks. It's not crushed. Wow. <laughs> what? That's hardly a manly drink there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I got what I got. I've got this or Budweiser. Oh, that's a rough my choice. Dad's, right my there. dad's six-month-old Budweiser from the last time he was here. and I'm just going to save that for when he comes back. Yeah. Not one of my favorite beers. I was going to give you a hard time about what you're drinking, but I'm just going to stop right now because, yeah, that's a that's a rough choice. Unless you could possibly just mainline the rum. <laughs> do you have an old rusty hypodermic needle <laughs> laying around? I have a rusty hypodermic needle laying around. <sighs> well, fine grit sandpaper, just sand off the rust and hepatitis and you know, just jam that thing you right in. You can sand hepatitis off? I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, you can sand off hepatitis if you use, you know, <laughs> Dude, fine Does it have to be sterile sandpaper? <laughs> just... Very fine viral sandpaper. Oh Jesus! It'll probably work. It might. Yeah. And if not, yeah, you know, it's a little hepatitis among friends. Hey, this podcast sounds pretty good. Yeah, it does. You know what? This new thing might work. So my computer died today. That pisses me off. Wow. They're just working right along. All of a sudden, it goes into auto shut off. That's kind of fucking weird. Goes down. And then turns back on, and it says, Windows is trying to recover your system. I'm like, what? And it does it, and it says, fixed. And you click the button, and it reboots again, and goes through the whole rigmarole. And we'll just do this in an endless loop. And so, I you ended up... cracking rum and strawberry daiquiri into it? No, and so I ended up, like, copying all the files I had to save uh, in DOS... Oh, off God. the C drive onto the F drive so I can at least get my old emails and shit and photos of the kids and stuff later. So it's there. I can't access it for some reason, but it's there. And I had to reinstall Windows. And so when I did so, uh, the podcast program sounds better than it has in a long time. It really does. So, All those pictures of your kids are messing up the podcast. Yeah, I guess that's it. So there's that. And then uh, the car broke down. On Sunday, Julie was driving some Girl Scouts home and stalled at a stop sign, and it just wouldn't start again. And it turns out the timing belt snapped. Oh, so we've got that. So all kinds of auto uh, shutdown. So yeah, on. so I'm I'm having a tough week. But uh, the thing that pisses me off is last that's week. That's not even the thing that pisses you off. That's not what pisses me off. I'm uh, this is something a little milder, but I got to talk about it. My wife sent me to the store to pick up some soap. <laughs> Because she's the boss. <laughs> and, you know, when she tells you to pick up the soap, you pick up the soap. <laughs> That's funny. When we were showering, I was always able to get you to pick up the soap, too. What's wrong with you? <laughs> anyway, so I go to Trader Joe's, right? I give you soap on a rope for Christmas. We, sh- we, sh- we shower at Trader Joe's. We shop at Ch- Trader <laughs> Joe's. <laughs> Freudian slip. Quite a bit. And, uh, you know, it's got good prices and whatever. And so I go to get some soap, and they've got, like... Five different kinds of shit I don't want to rub on my body. It's like yeah, well, you're raspberry raspberry oatmeal soap and honeysuckle wine soap. And the least objectionable thing I could find was spearmint soap. And so I'm like, all right, fucking, I'm going to get this. Because the rest of it, I, I don't really want like oatmeal in my armpits. I don't quite understand the idea of that. So You know, if you get hungry later, you've got some gruel in there. So I come home, get this, the spearmint soap take a shower soaping up and all of a sudden my balls start tingling gordon this is not good i don't want my balls tingling first thing in the morning it's uncomfortable i don't need that to start my day that's fucked up so trader joe's fuck you get some normal soap 
God damn. No! They don't even have like a facsimile of it. It's all weird shit. Lemon verbena soap. What's a. I don't even know what verbena is. It's like a nerfer. <laughs> Lemon black bean soap. What the hell? Are you sure you were in the soap aisle and not like the soup aisle? Catfish popcorn soap. I mean, just the, <laughs> the weirdest shit. So avoid the spearmint soap if you don't want your nether regions all a tingle. You know, I was thinking, though, if you were prepared for that. If you woke <laughs> up in the morning and you went, you know, in 10 minutes, I'm going to be showering and my balls will be a tingle. <laughs> that might not be a bad way to start. It might not. But if you're like... In the mood, it's really hot, and you reach for a, a nice, cold, refreshing Coca-Cola, and it turns out it's a half a cup of milk that your kids left out for all day. And your balls start tingling. <laughs> <laughs> You're in for a rude awakening, and that's what that soap did to me. So, I didn't, yeah, it's Bullshit. You know what else is bullshit in retail land? What's that? You know when you go and buy tortillas at the store, and if you're not yeah. paying attention, the bagger will occasionally drop them in the bag sideways instead of laying them flat. Then your tortillas are all broken when you try to fry them. Why do they do that? What are you, an elitist? I bag my own shit. <laughs> I pull bags out, and while they're wringing it up, I put it all in it away. I'm, a, I'm faster than they would be. And B, all my shit doesn't get fucked up. Guess not. But no, you sit there and like, hey, can you so call, can you call someone over? Can you call someone over to bag this? What do I look like? I shop at the Nugget. They got two people at each check stand. They're bagging. Oh, that's right. You usually get a college girl over with it. <laughs> I forgot about the Nugget. The Nugget. The Nugget is the not place a lot to of shop. people shop at strip clubs, but <laughs> they got a great deal on ivory soap. <laughs> Only used once. Down at the Nugget, three beer special. Yeah, sure to tip your server. Uh, all right, dude. Let's listen to a tune. Yeah, let's. Do you want to, this is from the 2002 release Nothing by Meshuggah on Nuclear Blast Records. The tune is Rational Gaze.
Once again, that was Rational Gaze by Meshuggah. Now, Meshuggah's a band, dude, that I really dig the kind of groovy, trancey thing they have going on. They're really heavy, but they have that sort of weird sci-fi vibe about them, too, that you can kind of just get into and groove on. Really yeah. cool band. As I was kind of doing a little research to talk about them, the, the different ways that people uh, have described them. Rolling Stone calls them one of the ten most important hard and heavy bands. Alternative Press calls them the most important band in metal. All Music calls them masterminds of cosmic calculus metal, which I kind of like. And Daniel Ekeroth from the book Swedish Death Metal calls them incomparable hyper-technical riff machine. Easy which, enough for you to say. I know. But uh, just an impressive band all around. They were formed back in 1985. Well, kind of the precursor band. Guitarist Frederick Thordendahl uh, started a band called Metallion in 1985 and uh, played for a couple of years. That band ended up falling apart, and uh, he started a new band with a vocalist named Johns Kidman, who uh, brought the name Meshuggah which means crazy in Yiddish, from a previous band, and they rekindled it. And uh, that was the start of Meshuggah, forming in uh, Umea, Sweden, in 1987. Uh, they kind of did some demos, their first one uh, being a release called Psychic Test Build on Garageland Records in 1989 as kind of the first precursor. Their early stuff was a little more based in 80s-era thrash, so Metallica and Justice for All, that sort of thing, I think, was their leaping-off point. And that was reflected in their first uh, release for Nuclear Blast Records, Contradictions Collapse. They also had some challenges, something I, I read here in uh, the Swedish Death Metal book. I thought this was kind of interesting. Just when Meshuggah was about to break big, they faced immense problems as some members injured themselves badly. First, guitarist Thordendahl cut off the top of his finger. Then drummer Haka trapped his hand in a lathe. Still, Meshuggah continued their manic mission. <laughs> what is the drummer doing with a lathe? I don't know. I Making guess that's when they had their, they still had day jobs. But evidently, uh, Thordendahl was able to get his fingertips sewn back on. And uh, it didn't take him long to become one of the... Uh, most notable guitarists in extreme metal or math metal or whatever you want to call this very odd thing that they do. Already, they kind of got a reputation for the relentless double bass drumming of Thomas Hakka and the angular riffing style that Thordendahl brought to the table. They were also joined uh, around that time by Martin Hagstrom, the second guitarist, and their sound really came to fruition, the sound that you hear today, for 1995's Destroy, Erase, Improve. I'm going to play a cut from that in a little bit. But really a cool album and an album that sounded different from what a lot of other people were doing. From there, they would just get deeper and heavier. Their 1998 album, Chaos Fear, was notable because uh, Hake started going into kind of different... Uh, rhythm styles with his drumming so he'd play like 4-4 four, four on the hi-hat but he might do like a 23-16 on the drums good lord so he, he was playing these really odd time signatures which sound great with the sort of staccato guitar work that Thorthendahl was bringing to the table and then he started doing kind of some like avant-garde jazz soloing at the same time and it was resulting in a very unique sound they released a uh compilation of unreleased stuff and rare tracks in 2001 called just that rare tracks and in 2002 they came out with another album that's kind of a landmark called nothing 
And this was originally intended to be recorded on eight-string Nevborn guitars. So they're tuned-down eight-string guitars. But they couldn't get these new guitars that they had taken delivery of to sound right. So they ended up doing the album on Ibanez seven strings, but they would re-release the album four years later when Ibanez was able to provide eight string guitars. And so as they continued to add strings and go deeper in tone anyway, 2004, they released the IEP, which contains one single 21 minute song. And that would be a precursor to the album Catch 33 in 2005. Now you only get to say precursor once per band ah, discussion. Which would herald the coming of Catch 33 in 2005, which was one 47-minute song divided into 13 sections. But this it's is complicated. You, you can put it in and listen to it end-to-end like you can a jazz album in that same sort of way. It doesn't get too samey or you know tiresome to listen to. There's enough unique sounds and textures going on throughout the album that they actually are able to earn out that sort of a length, which is pretty cool. You don't see that a lot. 2008, they kind of took a step back and got into some catchier riffs. They were still complicated, but definitely there was a lot more hookiness in the album Obzen, which was, uh, I think, the first time I saw them. They opened for Ministry here in Seattle. And uh, I was really fired up to see them, and what a show in an opening act. And then they came back to town a couple of months later, and I was able to see them headline, which was really cool to kind of catch a full evening of their music. And then uh, in the meantime, they released in 2010 a live album called Simply Alive, and in 2012, the brand new album, Coloss, which it's a lot more jagged and harsh, I think, than Obzen. Obzen, the tunes seem to be a little more, you know, kind of radio friendly, I guess you'd say. That you can put them on and go, wow, that's a catchy tune, like Bleed, which is one I think we'll listen to in a little bit. But for the most part, I think that uh, Coloss, is, it's harder to get into, but it's every bit as satisfying once you give it a few listens. Very cool album. Again, they've been on Nuclear Blast Records their whole career. Uh, According to Daniel Ekaroth, they're one of the few true Swedish death metal bands to come out of that label. So uh, that's, again, something notable. But I'd like to thank Nuclear Blast for allowing us to share the music with you. And uh, I hope you dig the music. Before we we listen to a tune, uh, why don't you uh, do a little political rant if you got one? Well, all right. I got a little one. Maybe it's more local news down here, but, you know, the city of Stockton, rather sizable city, uh, declared bankruptcy. It's wreaking all kinds of havoc on the, the local uh, economy there. And Don't tell me there's corruption in Stockton. You know, there probably is a little corruption in Stockton. It's not actually the news. It's not like Chicago or anything. But uh, right now, the Democrats and the Republicans are both just about to pull a muscle trying to point the finger at each other for being at fault for this whole fiscal clusterfuck happening, which is, you know what, it's kind of bullshit because Stockton is like pretty much 50-50 between Democrats and Republicans. They swing both ways, so... (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) If you want to look at the largest municipal bankruptcy in history, then you got to look at Orange County, which is the most Republican place in California. It's that is the like the heart and soul of Republican in the Golden State. So I don't know. If you want to figure out who's the fiscally irresponsible one, that one might be a 
a place to look. It just seems like it's real, really bullshit that the fiscal mismanagement and bad decisions that went on in this city for a long period of time by both groups of power, they're not even really worried about what happened or how to keep it from happening again. They're so hung up in the bullshit of blaming each other that it's just business as usual in politics. It's, well, that, that, it kind of drives me apeshit when I see people, you know, you're on Facebook and there's people who ride like the liberal slant all day long. And they'll just post everything that pops up. Or there's people that'll ride the conservative slant all day long and post whatever, you know, comes up. Oh, Obama's an asshole, blah, blah, blah. Romney's a douchebag, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? This, to me, is like arguing who you'd prefer to mug you, the Bloods or the Crips. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you people? It's us versus them. If you are seriously standing behind either the Democrat or the Republican Party, you're full of shit because they're only out to fuck you. The only way to get this right is to bust the system and bring in somebody who is completely outside of the party because the fix is in. I'm so tired of fucking talking about it. I'm so tired of hearing about it. Oh, they're, they're liberal, blah, 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 blah. God, I'm just tired of that shit. The 90% of what they say turns out to be bullshit anyway it's yes like, it's just actually all goddamn you know what? i'm here's what we're gonna do this is what we're going to do what i know the, the republicans gonna freak out but i'm gonna increase the bureaucracy i'm gonna start a whole new department i'm gonna have the united states department of bullshit so that's the way you name things it's actually going to be for the prevention of bullshit but the way you name things in government is like you know the department of that's in charge of everything that's outside they're called the department of interior and like the department you you have go attack and blow people up that's the department of defense not offense so we have the department of bullshit and they're gonna they're gonna operate pretty much the way the supreme court operates you know your cases will be brought for them it'll just be a small group of like highly qualified bullshit detectors like judges and, and marine corps drill instructors and gym teachers any parent of a teenager is going to be eligible to be in the department of bullshit <laughs> CPAs, IRS auditors, anyone that's like used to dealing with a lot of bullshit. Whoa, 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 whoa that, that's some bullshit right there. They can be in this department. And then what they do is they just call bullshit on things and they stop it. Like, so yeah, if you're, that's the thing. You're like it doesn't mean you can't, it's unstoppable at this point. Like no, man, shit goes, shit goes down like, and it gets blown over. No, and they, they all cover for each other. But bullshit, they'll have like veto power and cricket bats. Yeah, they I don't know. I seriously wish there were answers because, you know, there's corruption in government left and right. And the people in charge of getting rid of corruption are the politicians themselves. So yeah. as, as Dan Carlin puts it, the foxes are in charge of redesigning the hen house. <laughs> it doesn't fucking work. And the middle class continues to get screwed and the continues to get screwed. Ugh. Tell you. I'm in a pissy mood tonight. You really are. <laughs> I really am. I'm just a sour motherfucker. Let's listen to another tune. This is Swarm from Coloss.
Once again, that was Swarm by Mishuga from the album Coloss on Nuclear Blast Records. Buy it now. You will not be disappointed. Indeed. Multimedia triage? Triage. Let's do this, dude, because, you know, we haven't recorded in a while. We've been, like, entertaining ourselves. We have. And I don't mean it like that. And not just with our penises. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with you? (laughs) Sorry. I was making myself laugh. I've been reading up a storm, actually. You've been doing your regular book report for a long time now, your book group, and it always results in many, many books being reviewed here. And I'd kind of slacked off lately, but uh, in the last couple of weeks, I read the new book from Robert R. McCammon, the Providence writer, is the fourth of the Matthew Corbett revolutionary era mystery type books. And Oh, it, okay, yeah. I know what guy you're talking about. It's freaking great. So this one, uh, Corbett has come back from his duel to the death with Tyranthus Slaughter, the serial killer that he had a face-off with in the last book. And uh, he returns to New York to try to settle down, and he continues working for a Pinkerton-type group. And uh, not long after, he starts being told that the nefarious Professor Fell wants to see him immediately. And he blows him off because he knows the guy is an arch criminal and he doesn't want anything to do with him. And eventually he gets roped into Shanghai, if you will, a sea voyage to an island in Bermuda or somewhere along there to uh, meet with Professor Fell. And uh, just like the previous books in the series, McCann absolutely brings the action along with the historical flair it starts out with the kind of slow historical you're learning a lot about the period sort of a vibe but there's always just this apocalyptic type ending to the books and this one's no exception just a huge action-packed finish to the book i thoroughly enjoyed it you definitely ought to check this out it's from subterranean press uh so it's a small publisher you're gonna have to dig it up but it's a beautiful hardcover book with tipped in illustrations really nice piece of literature that again is the providence writer by robert r mccammon buy it you know what else you read i read it too kings of cool little don Don winslow Winslow action yeah yeah now i don't know how we missed this because we were both talking savages up before it was bought up by movie rights or anything like that yeah and savages i don't want to gush here but i probably will I love that book. I, I, I mean, yeah, it was a cool action book, but I just, I fell in love with that book. The guy's writing style, he did something. He did something to me. He when did, he and that that's book. notable from a guy who did Dawn Patrol, the winner of Frankie Machine, California Fire and Life. Ah, oh, shoot, what is the uh, the drug book? Is it Dog Patrol? Yeah, Dawn Patrol. No, Dawn Patrol is the uh, the surfer detective thing. But there's the oh, one right. that's the Mexican drug yeah, cartel book. The, the teenage kids. Yeah, and it, just all of his stuff is fucking great. And this book stands out amongst a great series of books. Yeah, and what's what's interesting about this book, Savage, we're not even on to Kings of Cool yet, but Savages, is that he really changed up his style. You'd see like these these hints of this style that he wanted to write in his other books, often in the first chapter or a prologue or something, where he just unleashed this language that was really beautiful and not as 
not as straightforward and stripped down as the, the main part of the story. But now, in Savages and also in Kings of Cool, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's almost as if Hunter Thompson and E.E. E. Cummings had an illegitimate child and it was raised by Hemingway. It's cool well yeah he can go poetic but then it almost reminds me of stephen king where he can drop a pop culture reference or an insult uh, against like a current day type of people that you might recognize and it absolutely works and you know in in the wrong hands you yeah in the wrong hands that sort of approach you would just snort at and he totally does it perfectly not a misstep in the book and what yeah. I loved was the cameos by his other characters. Yes. So Bobby Z appears from the the life and death of Bobby Z. Frankie Machine's Frankie in Machine it. Frankie Machine shows up. And I just thought that was cool as hell. Because it all takes place in San Diego. So he's been building this world for years now. Even Power of the Dog, that's what it's called. The drug book. Because that has, you know, kind of how the the uh, cartel came to power with the same DEA agents that they're talking about in this book and in Savages. Man, it's good. Yeah, so anyway, what it's actually about, now that we're done gushing about uh, how he writes, um, Savages... You know what that's about. It's about a couple of guys that sell pot and they're running with the cartel. Sean and Ben. Yeah, but at the same time, they kind of have this love affair with the same girl. Yeah, but not in a bad way. No, that works as well. And again, in other hands, that wouldn't come off as even plausible. Yeah, but it seems just very real. It really makes sense the way he portrays it. Anyway, this is the prequel to everything that went down in Savages. And, uh,. So it's how how Chon and Ben got into the drug trade, how they got to be who they are, the kind of the story of their parents in the 70s and 80s growing up in San Diego. Yeah, and the story of how the uh, the cartel that they end up facing in Savages, how that sort of came to be organized. So check this book out. Absolutely do it. It is called Kings of Kings Cool. Of cool. And uh, follow it up with Savages if you haven't read that. Uh, the Oliver Stone film is out now. I understand that the ending is problematic, depending on uh, how you feel about the ending of the book. But uh, I think it's probably uh, the worth. The book was perfect, so I'm probably going to be very sad. It's probably worth checking out anyway. Speaking of crime stuff, I completed my summer project. You committed a crime. You robbed a bank. <laughs> I started. No, I started cooking that. glass. You know. <laughs> is it blue? It is. No, I got caught up on Breaking Bad just in time for the season premiere. Oh, strong work. You had to pack in, what, like 60, 70 hours? Of, yeah, Julie and I were watching a lot, a lot of crime, man. But wow, what a series. And you were absolutely right. The end of season four was mind-blowing. <laughs> One of the top five best episodes of TV I've ever seen. Just crazy, tense, insane, tight, and on top of it, just a gruesome, fucked up ending. Wow. Just wow. And the new season started, and it's starting off well. It is, yeah. I enjoyed the first episode. It's a little quieter coming off of that barn burner of a season four ending. And, you know, seeing it back to back like that, I think that the uh, the contrast was a little more <laughs> underlined anyway. But uh, great stuff. Wow. I still don't know that it's better than Justified, though. 
I gotta start watching that. I gotta watch it from from episode one. Yeah, I love Justified too. So I could watch that streaming. I'd be all over. Yeah, it. I like having you know two great series like that to go back to. That's really cool stuff. And by watching it streaming, I mean while I'm taking a pee. <laughs> what else? Video games, maybe. Yeah, yeah, playing some video games. Play some Max Payne. Great. You know that's a great game. Yeah. Yeah, it's very noir. It's still got the bullet time mechanic where you, you know, slow down time and leap dramatically around oncoming fire as you pop the bad guys one at a time. And you do a lot of drugs and get pretty drunk. The acting in it is really well done. Visually, it's really well done. Mm-hmm. It's gory as hell. I don't even play it when my kids can see what's going on. There is blood everywhere, often in slow motion. But uh, I like the way it's done. Mm-hmm. And the cutscenes, normally I despise cutscenes and I don't have enough patience for all the talky talk talk that happens in between the playing. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually following it. I like it. It's well acted. I don't know the theme of the actor that's doing the Max Payne reading. I was talking to you and I said it, I thought it was Alan Cranston and then you pointed out that I meant Brian Cranston. <laughs> Alan <laughs> Cranston is a senator and possibly dead. I'm not even sure. <laughs> So it's probably not that guy. I don't know. Max Payne, check it out. That's a fun game. And then you know what you and I just played? Yeah. Speaking of fun games, and a lot easier to pick up, it's Alan Cranston's Alan Cranston's <laughs> off road racing. Off road <laughs> racing. That's Jeremy McGrath. Oh, Jeremy McGrath's off road. Not to be confused with Ted Kennedy's off road, which is Jeff Quiddick. <laughs> I think you knocked me into a river while we were racing. I knocked you into an opuchia. <laughs> That's a cactus. I thought you stuck it in the arroyo. <laughs> no, no, that was a salaro. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it, it's a very fun game. Xbox Live, you can download it for the re- requisite, what, 1,200 points or whatever it is. I don't know. It's like 10 bucks. 10 bucks, 10 bucks is what it is in real life money. So you said, uh, how many? There's five cars? Yeah, there's five different types of vehicles you can drive, and you can modify each of those, from from dune buggies to rally cars to trophy trucks. And as you race, you you pick up points and use the points to modify them to make them faster, handle better, better brakes, what have you. It's got a 23-race campaign mode, kind of a career mode type of a thing, where you can upgrade as you go. Yeah, and it's got um, multiplayer over Xbox Live, which works seamlessly, I thought. Yeah, it and it's... got right into play. I, I really like the physics of this game. Like, you get over into the side in the dirt, and you can almost feel your tires spinning as you get out of it. And I haven't seen another game do that quite the same way. I thought that was really cool. And what else I like about this that I haven't experienced in other games so much is that you've got... When your car is bouncing around, you, you end up at diagonals, the obliques. You're not just going up and down and side to side. Like the front left corner of your car ends up going down, and you, you lean back to try to compensate for it. You really get bounced around in this game. <laughs> bounced around? Holy shit. I went over this one jump, and I kind of hit the boosters as I was going over, and the car literally flipped twice. It endoed. That was crazy. For 10 bucks, this game is ridiculously good. Yeah, it's it's really good. The scenery is beautiful. Uh, again, 
the cars feel really great in an Xbox controller. I wonder how they'd be with the driving wheel. Have you tried that? No, I haven't. But it uh, might be good. It might be. This game is is really easy to pick up. Steve is able to play it. Steve is unable yeah. to play any and other I'm, driving I, game. Yeah, I can say I'm terrible at driving games. With the exception of uh, I can play a little bit of Blur. <laughs> Frogger. <laughs> Frogger, that's my idea of a racing game. But Blur, I can play a little bit of because it's more arcade. Yeah, it's like Mario Kart. But this has the kart game feel to it, while at the same time really having good physics to it. So I enjoyed it. I would totally buy this game. Yeah, easy to pick up, probably hard to master. Still not that hard to beat Steve at. (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, do it. Liked it. Cool. What else are we playing? I finished, I I forgot to mention, I finished Diablo 3. Oh, you did? And it was super fun. I busted through it. It wasn't that long of experience, but honestly, when I was done, I didn't really want to go back and like play Nightmare Mode or Hell Mode or anything. It, it kind of scratched my itch, and I was good. So, eh, I don't know. I don't know that it was worth 60 bucks, honestly. Hmm. You, you know, because it's sort of the same sort of thing, and Torchlight 2, I haven't played that yet, but it probably would kind of take care of that same urge. Yeah, if I've got that urge, I just pop in Torchlight. I'm good to go. <laughs> you know what, though? I have to what? say, I've got the biggest chubby right now for Borderlands 2. Oh, I can't wait that. For that Away trailer came out. It is so great. And it just reminded me how great that game was. So I, I don't know how I, I bought it with a package or something. By the way, the Steam Summer Sale is on right now, so you everybody should be checking that out every day until the 23rd because it's got new games on sale every day. But... Uh, but I ended, at some point, I ended up with Borderlands on uh, the PC, and so I've been playing that. My son's been playing it on the Xbox, and uh, just can't wait. I'm playing with a different character. I'm doing the soldier this time as opposed to the hunter. So I'm having. Oh, I thought a, you did the soldier last time. Okay. No, yeah, I, no, I was all sniper rifle and bloodwing last time, which was awesome. But uh, I wanted to try because I saw the guy that throws out the turrets in Borderlands Two. That is yeah. just unreal. And it's not quite the same in Borderlands 1, but it's still pretty fun. I'm having a great time. So, yeah, I can't wait for Borderlands 2 to come out. September 18th from 2K Games. That means we're going to get to play it at PAX before we get to play it in real life. Oh, we are, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, PAX! Mm-hmm. End of August! Yeah. What else? Uh, gosh, I've been reading. I read a piece of uh, teenage literature, I guess, The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian. Yeah. By Sherman Alexie. He's a hell of a writer. What a great book that was. And it's written a lot like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Mm -hmm. It should be required reading for every middle-class, suburban, comfortable white kid. Just to go, hey, look, there's another reality. Yeah. Uh, and I had my kid read it, read it too. He picked it up and he he burned right through it. He, he liked it too. Yeah, we have it's, a we have a signed hardcover copy here, and I can't get my daughter to read it. Huh. Wow. And my kid just as soon as he started, he he wouldn't put it down. So that's a that's a great book. It's a fast read if you're a grown up, and you ought to buy it for your kid. And speaking of kids, Hit Girl, you know Kick Ass. Yes, I do. You know Kick Ass too. Mm-hmm. The Kick-Ass 2 arc is finished. Now, Hit Girl is the comic book that is continuing on that story, which is good because she is the most interesting character in all those anyway. Mm-hmm. It uh, is still violent. It's still dark. It's still cool as hell. You ought to read it. Go 
Go to your local comic book store. Check out Hit Girl. Nice. Uh, Speaking of comics, you're not reading Walking Dead, are you? No, I'm not. Oh, dude. Fucking Walking Dead 100. Was, God, that's a lot of Walking Dead. Was brutal. Kirkman again just fucking fucks up his cast. Holy shit. He gets tired of them, and he just puts them down. Yeah, only George R. R. Martin in the pantheon of authors will fuck so ruthlessly with the characters he creates. Unreal. It was a great read, but afterwards I was just like, fucking really, Kirkman? Come on, man. Give us a break. Yeah, you no, can read that book for a no break. No break for you. Kicking the balls. <laughs> Kicking the balls. <laughs> great shit, but yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. Read it for yourself. Oh, yeah. We, you know, we we watched, we read so many other things, but I think we're starting to bore our listeners. Let's get back to the metal. Okay. Let's go back. Let's go all the way back to 1995 from the album Destroy, Erase, Improve with Future Breed Machine.
Once again, future breed machine from Mashuga. You can check him out at mashuga.net. Filthy jokes. Filthy jokes. All right. Here's a joke from the movie The Thing. The sequel to The Thing. The most recent The Thing, which was actually the prequel to The Thing. The Thing? Also called The Thing. <laughs> Talk about an original name. And by the way, yeah. if you're ever watching those movies, The Thing, it's supposed to be winter in Antarctica. How come it's like day and night and day and night? Shouldn't it just be flipping dark? Maybe. My wasn't kid wasn't the not maybe it should be dark. Wasn't the thing movie the 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 real thing? It was dark all the time in that movie, wasn't it? Except for the very start of it. Right. Well, the very start of it, it should be dark. Yeah, I don't know. It's winter in Antarctica. It shouldn't be sunny. They got they even be able to fly even a helicopter around to be all sunny. I've talked to people from Alaska. They said that it's really only a couple of days where it's like dark all the time. 30 days of night, bitch. No, it's not even 30 days. I'm telling I'm sorry. you. It's so not, there's so there's like there could be 2 hours a day and that's when they had the problem with the Swedes. During the 2 hours it was sunny. And well, the dog see the came, sequel, and then it's about the Swedes, and they have day and night, day and night, day and night. It's happening all the time, like it's the goddamn equinox. Okay, well, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on that. All right, well, you... I was just talking about the Carpenter film. I see. Well, the thing is, the prequel to the thing is the Carpenter film. Yes, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing again? I don't know. You're telling a joke from the film. Oh, right, filthy jokes. So, this man or woman or are going at it, this, this husband and wife, enjoying a little marital bliss, as it were, just banging away on the bed, and all of a sudden, their bedroom door opens, and there is their little boy. And he looks over at his dad and mom, and his eyes get big, and he's absolutely shocked. And the dad sees him, and he can't help but look at his son's face, and just he just busts up. He just starts laughing. So, his wife is not at all amused by what's just happened. So, she goes, look, you got to go talk to him, all right? Fine, fine, I'll go talk. So, he uh, trusses himself up, stomps down the hall to find his son, and opens the door to his son's bedroom, and there's his son just banging away on the grandma. He's just giving it to grandma. And the dad looks at him horrified. He goes, what the hell are you doing? The kid goes, see, it's not so funny when it's your mom, is it? <laughs> not bad. Not bad from the thing. Yeah. So there's this woman and her eight-year-old daughter, and they're walking along a country road, and they see this stallion mounting a mare. She said country. Mommy, the little girl asks, what are those horses doing? The mother kind of stutters for a moment before she comes up with a creative answer. The horse on top hurt his hoof. And the one underneath is helping him back to the barn. Little girl shakes her head sadly. That's just the same way it is with people. You try to help somebody and you end up getting fucked. <laughs> da, da, da. Have we told that one before? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> Filthy jokes are not easy when you're in a bad mood. Sometimes not. All right, uh, thank yous. I'd like to thank Nuclear Blast Records and Meshuga for the amazing music this episode. Our usual bullshit, you can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com, the home of the heavy half hour on non-bone bat weeks. 
You can find my cartoon every week at MightyWombat.com. Follow me on Twitter at Mighty underscore Wombat. You can follow me over there as well. I'm Bonehand on Twitter, and we also have a Bonebat Twitter feed as well as a Bonebat Facebook group where we post witticisms such as they are, jokes, sweet-ass deals on video games, you name it. You ought to We've be following some pretty it. cool stuff on there recently. Yes, we have been. So really, if you listen to this show, go like the Facebook page because we will make it worth your while. Because you but, will actually like it. Yeah. And, of course, thank you for listening. And if you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. Our closing tune tonight from 2008's Obzen, the aforementioned Bleed. Once again, I am Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
Angrosode. The Angrosode. Angrophiles. Angrophiles. You're so fucked up. <laughs>